The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. It's time for a different take on spirituality for the modern world. Welcome to Big Universe with Jim Lefter and Reverend Raymond Anderson. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. I'm Jim Lefter, kind of a spiritual journeyman kind of guy and media producer type. I run a website called youthrivehere.com, and I am here with our very own and the brand new headmaster of Hogwarts, the Reverend Dr. Raymond Anderson, also the senior minister for the Center for Spiritual Living in Greater Baltimore. How you doing, Raymond? Expecto Patronum. <laughs> how's, the, how's the new semester going at hogwarts uh you know same old same old you know spells and wands and animals oh my <laughs> <laughs> let me ask you what hat what house were you sorted into by the uh the special hat i don't even know what the hat's called the sorting hat <laughs> well there you go <laughs> come on now you already know you i don't know why people assume slytherin but it's not it's gryffindor come on of course. Of course. Well, I was sorted into Slytherin, so oh, concerning to me. I, I don't, uh, I need to try to navigate the dark aspects of it. Okay. Well, Severus could do it. You can too. And I, I don't, I don't talk with snakes, but I have talked with earthworms. Oh, well, that's a start. Size doesn't matter, so. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's good or bad. Uh, <laughs> here's one thing I never understood. What's up? If all the bad kids were put into Slytherin, why didn't they just send them directly to jail at Azkaban <laughs> or, or get them immediate counseling? Uh, yeah, see, I think it's one of those ones where we know, so we're going to get you here so we can keep, it's like the enemy you know is better than the enemy you don't know, keep enemies close. I think it was that. It's like, we're going to keep an eye on you bad kids. But uh, yeah, at least counseling. Come on, you were sorted into Slytherin yeah there's yeah. something wrong with you oh yeah. that's judging isn't it <laughs> yes and thou shalt not judge yes not in not in the spiritual realm we do not judge don't judge your fellows by the wand in their eye when you have a wand in your own <laughs> wow that's inspirational <laughs> yeah that's from the hogwarts bible well i didn't realize oh i guess uh i guess our friend um sarah bowen would would agree with that from the hogwarts bible because you know she's she's uh talked about harry potter as scripture so mm, yes 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 that's interesting no <laughs> good stuff good stuff well um are you ready for dueling inspirations yes i am sir all right i'm gonna go first go for it see if you hear if you know who it's from okay it is our choices harry that show what we truly are 
far more than our abilities. Uh, let's see. Hmm. Can I call a lifeline in? Of course. <laughs> come on. That's Albus Dumbledore. <laughs> of course. Yeah, even if you hadn't used Harry's name in there, it's like I would know that one. That's one of my favorite ones. So. Well, you know, some people some people say it's written by J.K. Rowling, but you know, I say it's just Dumbledore. So. Pretty much. Pretty much. Okay. So you ready? I'm ready. So if ordinary people really knew that consciousness and not matter is the link that connects us with each other and the world, then their views about war and peace, environmental pollution, social justice, religious values, and all other human endeavors would change radically. Wow. Any idea? No. So the book is called The Self-Aware Universe by Amit Goswami. Wow, very interesting. Very appropriate now. Yeah, yeah. Consciousness. Time for that revolution of consciousness. Oh boy, is that true? Yes. But hey, <laughs> one step at a time. Have to look for your Patronus in life. Right, right. Oh, another thing for the to-do list. <laughs> uh, for those confused by this open, please consult your local library for the Harry Potter series or rent it on video. Yes. And be glad we're not doing Tolkien right now, because, woo! But be forewarned, it may come up. <laughs> so there's going to be a whole new series on, uh, am I getting my authors confused? Tolkien, uh, Lord of the Rings? Yeah. Yeah, there's going to be a whole new TV series, Lord of the Rings, from wow. Amazon. What? I know, there's three, wow. three big movies, and now they're doing a TV series. Wow. Oh, I'm okay. Now I'm intrigued. I thought the first, I liked the first movie. Okay. And I was interested in the movies, but to be honest, mm -hmm. I kind of got bored with all the battle scenes. <laughs> I mean, it's like battle after battle after battle. I, you know, I, I know it's a great book and, you know, all great stuff, but I'm getting totally off topic. <laughs> no, but see, okay, so metaphysically, let's say that, uh, in the films they're focusing on like the battles now economically we know they did that because they're trying to sell tickets but metaphysically what if the perspective is it's time for us to stop looking at all of the fighting in the world and start focusing on where there's magic in the world where like where they like the elves and their powers to reinvigorate the planet and the earth and nature what if that's what we're being called to focus on just saying well, well, that's deep, and that's much. That's a much better perspective. I was seeing a three-hour movie with battle scenes, and I was like, "Okay, I like the concepts, but, but man, this is three hours long." Yes, yes, it is a battle battle epic for sure. At least it's not Battlefield Earth. Did you ever see Battlefield Earth? It sounds familiar. It's uh, John Travolta stars in it, and it's the Scientology uh, sci-fi movie. Uh, no, I've never seen it, but I do know what you're talking about now. Oh, man. It's painful. It's, wow. it's really actively painful. <laughs> I, would like, I would like you to see it just to get the metaphysical take on it. Okay. 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 Did you just throw the gauntlet down the shaft? I did. Oh, okay. okay. Boy, and boy, is that a challenge. Ooh, you said Battlefield Earth? Battlefield Earth. Okay, Battlefield Earth. Painful okay. movie. No offense to people who like it, and I guess most Scientologists are probably not listening to our show anyway. Probably not. 
but we but you're welcome if you are that's fine whatever you want to believe is cool yes all right how about we actually get to the show itself sounds good because i'm ready to discuss all things empath related yeah me too uh, we're gonna have our guest uh, reverend stephanie redfeather on in just a little bit sounds good got questions we welcome martha creek with a unity moment Hi everybody, it's Martha Creek, MarthaCreek.com, taking a look at a one independent look at what unity principles are, unity um, processes, the tenets, and the basic unity philosophies. More information, unity.org. The fourth principle, prayer is connection. Through prayer and meditation, we align our heart-mind with God. We align and atone our heart-mind with God. Some use denials and affirmation as tools here, and it's through this affirmative prayer and meditation and the practices of that that we connect with God, therefore to bring out um, more expansive, greater potential and possibilities in our life. Um, the difference here for some is to talk about prayer. I do um the, the difference of saying, oh, yes, sure, I pray. I pray as a concept. I pray as a philosophy. I pray as an idea versus actually praying. And prayer is the connection to the one mind, the source, the creator, which is God. So the big difference here is actually doing praying and practicing prayer as a modality for atonement, for alignment, for creation, for causative action, for creation and co-creation versus talking about prayer or platitudes of prayer. And that's the big difference and certainly has been in my life. So begin to look at then in your prayer practices, like in my prayer practices, what it is you pray for. Why is it you're praying for that? What is your motives about prayer? And I pray then with you and for you today, as I do for myself, that I pray that our human limitations are erased and that we operate and manifest in our world and co-create in our world according to the perfect law that is a divine wisdom, immersed in the presence of pure being, a Holy Spirit, life, love, and wisdom. We acknowledge this presence and this power and take my actions and my co-creating power and presence in alignment and atonement with that. So we thank you, living, loving spirit. We thank you, God, for substance, for success, for prosperity, the order of the day. And thank you for blessing us with richness of spirit and purpose as we serve those who are serving. Amen, amen, amen. So I personally believe there's no wrong way to pray and that um, saying any kind of prayer wholeheartedly and with feeling is um, really the secret here. And I've read from sages in the past, if we ever, ever, ever say never another prayer, but simply thank you, we are using the causative generative power of prayer. Blessings, folks. MarthaCreek.com. Here's Reverend Raymond Anderson with Raymond's Corner. So with this whole thing about empathy, it's been my experience, you know, my, my understanding as I've met people and had conversation that most people think of empathy more in terms of sympathy. They may think they're being empathetic, but what they're actually being is sympathetic. They're feeling sorry for someone. They're, they're feeling pity on or for someone rather than actually feeling the other person. And when I say feeling the other person, what I'm saying is, Suppose I turn on the news and I hear about someone's harrowing experience, you know, being mugged or, 
you know, their recent loss of a family member. And I may not specifically feel the exact same feeling as them, but when I lower my resistance, I lower my barriers, then I'm actually able to enter into a space of feeling the same vibratory level of emotion. So when they're in anguish or grief, my heart space is open to feeling some degree of what they're feeling. It's almost as if they're a broadcasting station sending out the frequency of, you know, this is 101.774, the frequency of grief and pain at this moment. And when they're broadcasting that frequency, I'm the radio receiver that is tuning in to that frequency. So the same way that there may be a live studio musician playing at the radio station, and I'm listening on my radio. I'm not listening to the music live, so there's a slight difference, but I am still able to hear and feel the emotion of the music, even though I'm listening to it 500 miles away via my radio versus in the actual radio studio. Empathy is being able to tune in and feel what someone else is feeling. Not only that, but what I notice is we don't listen. If we truly want to feel empathy, build relationship and connect with people, then we have to listen, not just listen with our ears, but listen with our eyes and, and our heart space and the actual energetic feeling we feel on our skin in the air when we're in the same room with the person. Because we all know we've walked into a room and we've felt there was tension in the room. That means on some level, we were open to feeling that vibratory frequency. Well, in the same way, if you're in the same room with you know, a friend or family member and you feel in the air some emotion, something they're expressing, something that they're being, then part of being empathetic, part of having that space is allowing yourself to feel that, allowing yourself to hear that, allowing yourself to see that, because not everything that people are gonna say is what they're feeling. So how do we hear and see and feel through our entire spiritual intelligence level of being? That's being able to truly step into an empathetic space where we are building relationship based upon the emotional intelligence, the spiritual intelligence, and just simply being present with ourselves to allow someone else to be who they are authentically and transparently. That's what it actually means to live in an empathetic state of consciousness. And now it's time for our interview. Reverend Dr. Stephanie Redfeather is the founder and director of Blue Star Temple. As an ordained shamanic minister, Stephanie's passion is to help fellow empaths embrace their soul's calling to evolve humanity to the next stage of evolution. She holds a bachelor's degree in applied mathematics, that's pretty cool, and a master's and doctorate uh, degrees in shamanic studies from Venus Rising University. Stephanie is also a MESA carrier, did I pronounce that right, is it MESA carrier? MESA. MESA carrier in the, help me out with the Pachacuti. Yes, Pachacuti the Pachacuti Mesa tradition of Peru. Cool, having studied with Don Oscar Mireo Quesada, Mm -hmm. and his lineage since 2005. She's the author of the book, 
The Evolutionary Empath, A Practical Guide for Heart-Centered Consciousness. Welcome, Stephanie. It's so great to have you on Big Universe. Yes, Thank yes, you. I am excited. All right, so little Birdie told me that you are a Matrix fan, and because we're nerds here, um, I want to hear a little bit about the Matrix, the Matrix love, if you have it. What appeals to you about that movie? Oh, my goodness. Um, it's just so cool. I love stories with twists and turns and multiple layers, and I, and I just love the symbolism of the different layers of consciousness and kind of the, the medical, metaphorical hero or heroine's journey of reclaiming your power, you know, unplugging from external authority sources, um, and then just the general kick buttness of the whole movie too. <laughs> kick buttness. I like kick buttness. That's a good term. Right, right. <laughs> Is that a spiritual term? Um, I tried to make it one. <laughs> <laughs> and I think you succeeded. <laughs> So your book is really fascinating, and uh, you know I, I want to start off with uh, the base, most basic question. You were brave enough to uh, set out an official definition. What is an empath? Yes. Uh, so I don't want to give the whole you know thing away. I want people to be able to go to the book and spend time with the material. But I, I will say that when I sat down to write this, my spirit guides gave me one directive, and that was create a definition. Uh, and so the everyday working common definition of an empath is a highly sensitive person. You know, this term has been around in the spiritual and consciousness circles for decades, but I hadn't seen anybody get granular on exactly what this means, like breaking it out into some nuts and bolts. And so in the book, I actually spend two chapters talking about a variety of aspects and then summing it all up with the definition that's a paragraph because I just couldn't make it any shorter. But I think one of the, the biggest chunks of the definition that I think most people are going to identify with and, and, you know, kind of get a satisfying bite um, are what I call the five qualities of an empath. So would that be okay to, to share those? Absolutely. It's, I do want to hear that. Yeah. So the, the five qualities um, were just distilled from the work that I've been doing with clients and workshops and stuff over the years. And the first quality is our ability to merge with and absorb the energy of other beings. And that's people, animal, plants. I mean, you know, my belief is that everything has life force and consciousness. And so this uh, ability stems from our very open personal energy field. And so when we're not aware of this quality of ourselves, this is what can cause us to unconsciously take on other people's emotions and problems and think that they're our own and can also cause us to uh, struggle with boundaries. The second quality is our highly sensitive nervous system, which is kind of a duh, you know, like, well, nervous systems are supposed to be sensitive. <laughs> but, right. but for empaths, it's like somebody turned the volume up to 20 instead of 10. And so we process so much stimulus, whether we're aware of it or not. And so this quality really makes us prone to overwhelm and overstimulation and requires some pretty vigilant self-care on our parts. The third quality is our great sensitivity to the energies around us and an ability to perceive or access 
subtle information stored in the energy field of all types of life forms. So what, again, is, that, what is that subtle uh, information? Yeah, what is that? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So going back to the idea that, you know, everything in the world is sentient, that there is consciousness, that we are able to communicate. You know, right now you and I are communicating that's pretty overt, pretty obvious, but there's subtler forms of communication through, you know, we are multidimensional beings. We take in information through multiple methods. And so these subtle energies um, are, you know, can be the, the ley lines of the earth. It can be, you know, the consciousness of a, a rock. It can be uh, cosmic communications from our star relatives. There's, there's multiple ways that things communicate. So this is the quality that, you know, makes it easy for us to say, see the dead or, uh, you know, communicate with animals or people who are mediums or just having wicked intuition or people who are medical intuitives or, you know, all of those sorts of things. Um, I have to all experiences and all of that. I have to say before we go on that I've been accused of having the consciousness of a rock occasionally. <laughs> I, I don't know if that's a good thing or not. Anyway, go ahead. I'm, I'm, I'm interrupting. Good thing though. It's, it's okay. <laughs> the fourth quality is the premium that we place on peace and harmony. And that is in our relationships, in our personal energy field, in our environments. And so again, when we're unconscious of this quality, this can uh, cause us to be doormats, to uh, be in codependent relationships, to not stand up for ourselves because we will do anything and everything possible to make sure we don't rock the boat and so that everything is smooth and calm and peaceful in our worlds. The final quality is our big open hearts and a desire to serve others. And so there's a, a couple things to say about this. We, we tend to be inclined towards careers focused on service, but not always. But, you know, a big part of my tribe are energy healers and massage therapists and hospice workers and nurses and therapists and that sort of thing. But, you know, I was in the Air Force for 10 years. Clearly, there are empaths who are bankers and lawyers and engineers and computer programmers. <laughs> so so they're, they are everywhere. Uh, but tend to really gravitate towards serving others in some capacity, which can cause us to overgive and overdeliver. You know, we tend to put ourselves last on the list if we're not aware of this again, and then we start giving from uh, our empty well, if you will. So those are the five qualities of an empath. And, and what I want to say about that is, you know, I am not a hard and fast, you know, it's not like there's a, a cosmopolitan survey where you can check some things off and go, okay, if you have one to five, you're a moderate empath and, you know, six to 10, you're a, you know, a, a strong empath or whatever. It's all of these qualities fall on a continuum. And so there's no, you know, wherever you fall, there's no line that says, oh, you're not an empath or you definitely are. I, in all of this, I trust each person's own intuition about their knowing themselves as an empath. Interesting. You know, I, I feel like lately I've been hit over the head with this concept of the empath. And, a, you know, a good friend told me, you're an empath. There's a new center group that started up for empaths. Books like yours have been dropping off the shelves. And, you know, we got information about your book. I'm not sure that I am, but what does it feel like to be an empath? Who? Um, that's a that's a great question. 
where I where I would start is, you know, just because of the way human development works and the way spiritual awakening works, we are unconscious about a thing until we're conscious of it. And so for most people, they're they're going to live a number of years or decades as an empath not knowing it. And so what it feels like to be an empath when you don't know you're an empath is overwhelm. That's one of the biggest things, feeling emotional, feeling everybody else's stuff, being sensitive, like having difficulty, for example, going out in large crowds, um, not being able to, to handle those kinds of environments where there's a lot of people. Or possibly you're at home, you feel fine, you go out and all of a sudden you're angry, you're sad, you're cranky, you're this because you're picking up on everybody else's energy. It can also be confusing because especially people who are really tuned in to these other realms of communication, it can almost feel like a curse, like people that see the dead, people that hear animals talking, people that hear trees crying when they get you know butchered on the side of the road because they take their mowing deck turn it up vertically and just go you know so it, it can be any number of things depending on what your particular sensitivities are so quick question so someone doesn't know they're an empath or they're just in outright denial of it what are some of the because you sort of touched on it but what are some of the the uh detriments per se to not embracing this gift yeah well if you're if you're unconscious of it most you know it let me let me back up there's like five things i want to say at the same time um when you don't know you're an empath we tend to live from the shadow aspect the unconscious aspect and so because we're so good at blending and merging with others we tend to be very codependent we you know, have codependent relationships with not just our, our you know, lovers, but with everybody, parents, friends, bosses, et cetera. We can't figure out where we end and the next person begins because we're so good at blending and merging, that's our superpower. But the, the alternative, the other side of that is we have no idea who we are. You know, it's hard for us to stay centered in our own sovereign seat we, we a lot of times don't even know ourselves. You ask us questions, who are you? What do you want? What do you like? Uh, or, or we'll just, we take on the personalities of the people around us and we give the answers of what they like. Um, you know, we feel everybody else's stuff and a lot of times we don't even know it because we've had no other experience in our life. That's how it's been since we've been born. And so we don't know a lot of times that that's what's happening for us because we have no other frame of reference for it. So those are a handful of, you know, things that are pretty common experiences. Thank you. What are some, and we're going to, we're going to get into this. We're going to have to take a break in a second, but I'd like to know a little bit about the morphic field that, that, uh, you mentioned in the book, and I think uh, Rupert Sheldrake was one of the people that came up with that idea. Just mm -hmm. in a couple of seconds, and then we'll get right back. Yes, the, the morphic field, seconds. in short, is a living field of intelligence that exists in the universe that basically contains the, the blueprint, if you will, or, or everything empath. Excellent. All right, well, we'll be right back on Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. Thanks for joining us. 
This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to a slightly off-kilter look at spirituality. This is Big Universe with Jim Lefter and Reverend Raymond Anderson. And we're back on Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. We're talking with Stephanie Redfeather. So, Reverend Redfeather, got a question for you. So, Chapter 6, I mean, you sort of touched on it about the morphic field. Chapter 6, you talk about the new human blueprint. What exactly is that, or what are you referring to? Mm-hmm. Um, so, if I may, I'd like to kind of start by backing up into a bigger perspective because that context is really important. And and honestly, it is, I think it's one of the gifts that I bring is context so that people can really locate themselves inside the bigger picture. And that's not a conversation that I've seen a lot of people um, presenting about being an empath. There are over 30 ancient cultures that have documented a grand cycle of time that we commonly call the Great Year. This is a 24,000 year cycle. Some people say 26,000. There's a reason for that discrepancy. So whatever model you subscribe to is fine, 24, 25, 26. But the, the, the idea is for that period of time, humanity is ascending in consciousness for half of that descending in consciousness for the other half. So there's this great cycle that's happening. If you're familiar with the Greek ages, the Iron Age, Bronze Age, Silver Age, Golden Age, and then Golden Age, Silver Age, Bronze Age, Iron Age, that's, those are ways of breaking up that great year period. The Yuga cycles of India uh, are the same thing. They actually align perfectly with the Greek ages. And so... You know, one of the things that happens when we descend in consciousness is we start doubting things, we start turning on each other, we, 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 the trust is lost, our understanding of who we are as God, goddess beings is gone. Uh, and so a lot of the wisdom, a lot of the knowledge starts to get lost or it becomes a threat. So we burn it, we tear it down. We, you know, so that's why so much of this information is, you know, we have very few resources that were actually preserved. So if you look at these different ancient cultures, they don't all agree precisely on this exact date where we have turned the corner, but they pretty much all agree that we have turned the corner. So the most important thing to take away from that is we are out of that descending cycle. We have turned the corner. We are in a cycle of ascension. Time is speeding up. Our vibration is raising. Our consciousness is raising. We're waking up. And so as empaths, we come onto the planet with a highly refined set of sensitivities. We come with a different, you know, slightly different energetic physiology. And my belief is that this is where we're headed as humans. And so those of us empaths who are here right now, we are what I call the collective empathic big bang. You know, in in geologic terms, 100, 150 years is a blink of an eye. And so All of us who have incarnated now and the ones that came before us, we are, um, there's a quote in the movie Moneyball that says the first guy through the wall always gets bloodied. 
And so collectively, we are the ones, the first ones through the wall, getting bloodied, coming into this point in human evolution, not having had a lot of people before us to pave the way or who understood us or, you know, accepted us. And so we're still kind of the black sheep. But I like to think that some number of centuries from now, empath won't even be a thing because it'll just be synonymous with human. Wow. Thank you. Now, a lot of people might say, you say we're in a cycle of ascension, and a lot of people might say we're kind of Prove regressing it. right now. <laughs> yeah, I know. You know, we've got <laughs> anger and hate and war and violence and all that stuff. What do you mean? And, you know, why do you say it's an ascension phase? Right. Well, first of all, I, I believe and trust these resources. I feel it in, in my heart, in my intuitive centers. And just because I feel it doesn't mean it has to be true for you. Um, but, you know, there's a, an analogy that I use that is really helpful for me that I offer. And that is, if you think about temperature when we move from winter into spring, especially here in the Midwest, you know, we could have 60 degrees one day, and then we could have 29 degrees, and then we're up to 52, and then we're at 48, and we're, we're bouncing back and forth and up and down, a little snow, a little rain, a little sneeze, sleet, a little whatever. But if you chart the temperature day by day by day as we move from winter into spring, the temperature is getting warmer. It just doesn't look like it every day. So if you apply that model to human ascension and sort of stretch it out, every day is not better than, than the day before or week or month or year or decade. You know, we could be up for five years and down for 10 years if you want to think of it metaphorically that way. But in general, our consciousness is raising. There's information that is coming back, if you will. I mean, there's tons of books and movies and documentaries and things to, to support this. And another perspective I would like to provide is for people who are familiar with the term shadow, you know, we, we do a lot of individual shadow work, usually in our exploration of self and, and in our spiritual growth, there's also collective shadow. And in the basic definition of shadow is the unloved, disowned parts of yourself. And so as we're raising in consciousness, as our vibration is shifting individually, collectively, planetarily, there are things that, that you know, stayed in the shadow that are now getting vibrated up to the surface because the resonance, the dissonance actually is what is causing these things to come up to be seen. So, so it may look like we are going backwards, but it's actually a sign of healing that all of this stuff is coming up and it may look like chaos and it may feel excruciating and it's coming up to be resolved, healed, dealt with, etc. So, can I backtrack for a moment? Of course. The empath that I was many years ago, when I heard you say, so the empaths that go through the wall first are the ones who catch the, ooh, ooh, that stuff, I would have run from that. So can you give a little bit of insight into why that's not a bad thing? Yeah. Like, if we are actually in a good place. Yeah, thank you. My belief is that we made this decision at a soul level. 
that you know when we're in spirit form we're making decisions about who we want to be in this lifetime and what you know major things we want to set up for ourselves and experiences and who's going to play what role for us and so i believe that we chose at a soul level to come with this highly refined set of sensitivities to be a way shower to help pave the path for the ones coming behind us and it is not easy it is not easy it is painful most of us came into our lifetime and we didn't have parents or teachers or community members that understood us or recognized our gifts or knew how to guide us and so most of us had the experience of being ridiculed or made fun of or ostracized or you know any number of negative reactions and so we had to bury all of that stuff um, for however many years and for some people that's they don't ever reclaim those parts of themselves before they exit the planet this time so you know my I can I know I can tend to be serious and so I don't you know I don't want people to be like oh my god that's a lot of responsibility <laughs> you know I, I I get how that can land what's important is by recognizing you're an empath and embracing it you reclaim your power you step out of victimhood you can shift from relating to these qualities as a liability to relating to them as an asset and you don't have to do anything different in your life you are already a way shower you are already making a difference just be who you are where you are it doesn't mean you have to go start a nonprofit or start touring or write a book or make some big you know change that's really uncomfortable for you i mean yes it's a growing edge so there's going to be some discomfort but um you get to choose what you do with this cool there's so many, this is so, so rich, there's so much to talk about, but I, I want to go back a little bit and talk about, you know, in the book you talk about, <clears throat> we're moving into the next astrological age, and the overarching theme that we're, we're, we're dealing with are authoritarianism and megalomania, and to me, that feels somewhat accurate. Uh, it's a little bit terrifying. Can you speak to that a little bit more? Mm-hmm. Well, the, in the archetype of Aquarius, those things that you just spoke of are the, the shadow aspects, you know, so, so every quality has, you know, kind of their, I, I tend to stay away from positive and negative, you know, but you know what I mean, you know, they're, they're healthy qualities, they're healthy expression, they're unhealthy expression. And so it's a choice, you know, it is a choice at an individual level and a collective level and it's and it's really we in this dimension in the third dimension we relate to things as polarities and as long as we stay polarized that means something is deemed good and something is deemed as bad and we have to choose sides when really the the more <clears throat> the higher vibration way to look at it if you will the 5d way of, of looking at is those things are just opposite ends of a spectrum. It's, it's about the integration. Can you hold a big enough space for the opposites to exist? Because when you can, and when you can recognize that that whole spectrum of expression is in you, whether it expresses or not, the potential is there, then you can integrate it and we move past duality into unity. So uh, 
I already know that you're a Star Trek fan simply because Chapter 7, you say shit, Sulu. Yes. <laughs> Mr. S I like that so much. So can you explain, because you've already sort of talked about, you know, this could feel like a burden, it could feel like too much, it could be overwhelming. So what is the significance of Shields Up, Mr. Sulu? Yes, the second half of the book is all practical, rubber meets the road, tools and mindsets and practices for how to live in this world as an empath. And, you know, one of the most important things that any, you know, by new empath, I mean someone who's just come into consciousness with it and, and realizing it is to recognize that you're an energetic being and that you are responsible for your energy field. And so Shields Up is basically just, you know, kind of a catchy way of saying we need to be mindful of our energetic practices so that we can have our container of protection and, and we have the tools to be able to clear our energy field. Because we are so open, we kind of just, it's, it's sort of like a revolving, come on in, sure, everybody just come into my space, occupy my field, it's okay, you know, and it's, and it's not okay, and it can be a little confounding, because in spirit form, our way of communicating and relating to each other is very different, you know, one of the other chapters is t entitled, you and I are one, but we are not the same, and in the 3D, that's okay. It is okay for those two things to exist at the same time, that you and I are one, we all come from the same God stuff. You know, we, in, in that form, we are the same. But right here in a human body, we're different. We have different likes, different inclinations, viewpoints, values. And so it is okay to, to have your own sovereign kingdom, your energetic field, that you manage and choose who gets to stay in it and who doesn't, and, and to develop the tools for clearing your field so that you can know who you are and stay grounded in yourself. Excellent, thank you. And if anybody needs information on this, um, you can contact me directly. I'll tell you whether you're on track or not. <laughs> no, not really. You talk about humanity is at the fourth chakra, the power of love. What does that mean? Mm -hmm. uh, I pulled this from the work of Anadea Judith, who is uh, a longtime expert in the chakra system. And she did this amazing thing of overlaying the developmental stages of, of the human child from child, you know, being born into adulthood. And she overlaid it on the chakra system. And so if you take that then and project it from an individual to a collective, in general, collectively, we are moving from third chakra consciousness into fourth chakra consciousness. And she calls it moving from the love of power to the power of love. And so, you know, in the developmental stages, the third chakra is about establishing our autonomy. The third chakra is the place of personal will and personal power. And so you can kind of see how that has played out in terms of countries trying to assert themselves, you know, trying to figure out who they are, what role they play in the world scheme. And, and those structures are crumbling. They're, they're not serving us anymore. We're moving into the next frequency of heart-centered consciousness, which is much more about collaboration 
and recognizing each other as equals, recognizing that there is enough of everything for everybody, learning to, to use the heart as a navigation tool, because uh, especially in Western society, we are so head programmed, so left brain programmed. So synonymous with moving into the heart is the reclamation of the divine feminine as well. I love how you move from the microcosm to the macrocosm, you know, in, in, you know, the, the centered of what you do, need to do as an empath and what you do feel as an empath to the overall picture. I think that's really fascinating. Thank you. So there are unhealthy aspects of, of being an empath. And I know that in the book, you say that people are often misdiagnosed, you know, as having depression or bipolar or anxiety or, agoraphobia or that sort of thing. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yes. And, and let me roll the disclaimer. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a physician. But I have experienced so many clients who, when interacting with traditional Western medicine and Western psychology, were given labels that did not by any means encompass the entirety of what they were experiencing. You know, the the paradigm of Western medicine and Western psychology is very narrow. They don't have an understanding of what it is to be an empath. They don't understand these sensitivities. And so there's, there's no frame of reference for them. So they, all they have is what they were taught, the box that they play within. And so it's like, oh, well, you're depressed. Well, you're anxious. And here's some medication, by the way. Not addressing um, the, the deeper, you know, cause of it, if you will. And so it doesn't, you know, I'm not saying I don't believe in Western medicine or psychology. They have a, a role to play, but I think there's so many empaths that could be served so much better if they had people who recognized the set of qualities as a real thing. So, Surely some of our listeners are probably asking themselves, hmm, I wonder, I think, I think I might be an empath. Uh, what are some tools or things that you might be able to offer them to investigate that further? Yeah, my book. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Which is a good book. <laughs> Thank you. And we do expect a kickback from that, so. <laughs> <laughs> like a free shaman workshop. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So there's, there's always some exploration, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, for me, I'm always doing my inner work. And so if this is a new concept for somebody, I, I understand that it's helpful. Like you're trying to find people and mentors and resources to, you know, help me understand, explain this, what is this thing? So the book that I wrote is, is meant for that cause. You know, I, I wish I had that 20 years ago when my spiritual awakening began. Um, but there are also, there's a variety of other tools that I offer on my website. Um, you know, I feel like one of my gifts that I'm meant to offer the world are these different products and tools. I have meditations, guided meditations. I've created workbooks, video home study courses. There's more that are coming. So I understand that's not, you know, that's, that's, um, you know, maybe a side dish as opposed to the, to the whole meal, because there are people are going to want to interact individually. And so I also do work with individual clients and teach classes, you know, so for somebody who's trying to explore this, 
I, go to multiple resources is what I would say. I mean, some people are going to resonate with me and how I present it and what I say, and some people are, are not, and they're going to find somebody else who talks about life as an empath, and that's going to make more sense for them. But, you know, just find what resonates for you and run it through your own filters as to what feels true to you. Thank you. You mentioned radical self-care as being very important for an empath and something about the energy, energy bank account that you create. Can you talk to that a little bit? Yes. If we, you know, again, going back to over giving and over delivering, and it's kind of chronic in our society. So that, so what I'm saying applies to empaths, but it also applies, I think, to a much greater population because we wear our exhaustion like a badge. You know, it's, it's, there's this culture of drive yourself into the ground. You know, it's okay to, to have horrible work-life balance uh, because look what you're getting for it. And then, you know, throw on top of that a lot of the religious programming about suffering and you'll get your reward in the end. And, and the whole idea of self-care is completely turned upside down. And I have a quote. Um, from Rumi that, that sits that's on my bulletin board right here that says, never give from the depth of your well, but from your overflow. And so the energetic bank account is really about your well. Like how filled up are you? How, how depleted are you? However you, you know, is easier for you to relate to. If you think of it as between zero and 100%, what's your norm? Are you usually operating at about 25%? Are you usually in the red zone? Are you, are you completely depleted and trying to pull from, you know, <laughs> secret stores and, you know, digging up the, the mason jar buried in the backyard <laughs> or whatever, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, it, you know, people are, are so used to that exhaustion that they don't know what it's like to be filled up and giving from that space. And, and we've been programmed that that's selfish to do so. But can we really show up 100% for another person when we're, we're not able to show up 100% for ourselves? Right. Yeah. Very true. Very true. Um, you mentioned that uh, the masculine and feminine energies and how they play their parts. And I, I find it interesting. A lot of people talk about how the masculine energy is, is going to wane. And we've got sort of the final, you know, roar of it and the feminine energy is going to come in but you talk a little bit differently about it in that it's not it's it's more of a balance and it's not you know one or the other yes yes right now there's so much emphasis on the divine feminine because there's been such a lack of emphasis <laughs> you know it's it's been a very patriarchal culture for a long time and we're talking archetypally here. So this is not about man bashing. This is about understanding the masculine archetype, which pretty much lines up with the left brain. So left brain qualities, masculine qualities tend to be very direct, practical, linear, you know, in the, in the realm of the five senses, very much about competition. It's action-oriented, productivity, get things done. Masculine energy can be very aggressive. It's outwardly pointing. So if you kind of just think about an energetic phallus, if you will, it's sort of, you know. I'm a little uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> and so 
every quality, as I said before, has a healthy expression and an unhealthy expression. And so the masculine, without the balance of the feminine, overexpresses and becomes aggression and warring and power in terms of a definition that means force and somebody wins and somebody loses and you know a very limited view of things the feminine energies on the other side the right brain energies are much more spatial much more about intuition and feeling compassion receptivity this is where we listen to our intuition this is where we understand the importance of pausing and honoring the natural rhythms and cycles of nature and our body and so the feminine out of balance tends to underexpress because their nature is to receive going in an unhealthy direction. They kind of implode on themselves where the masculine tends to explode, if you will. So bringing things back into, I mean, these are two very different sets of qualities. So, so you can't even compare them in terms of better or worse. It's not about choosing one over the other. It's about recognizing they're both equally valuable equally necessary in different circumstances. And so the return of the divine feminine isn't about vilifying the masculine and kicking him to the curb and saying, ah, you bastard, now it's our turn. You know, it's not about that at all. It's about, it's um, cultivating the sacred marriage, which is where the masculine and feminine walk in conscious equal partnership, both within and without. Excellent. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, it's been so much fun having you on Big Universe. Thank you so much. Where can people find more information about you? Yes, my website is bluestartemple.org. And that's where I have the things I was talking about, the workbooks and home study courses, meditations, and other ways to interact with me. So that's bluestartemple.org. Can I find a rock there that I can resonate with? Can I order a rock from there? I, I don't sell rocks. <laughs> I have tons of them in my house. You can come over and we play. <laughs> I'll, I'll be there shortly. <laughs> and don't forget to pick up uh, Reverend Redfeather's book, The Evolutionary Empath, A Practical Guide for Heart-Centered Consciousness. For more information on Raymond Anderson, go to RaymondAnderson.com. I've got some premium video courses from amazing instructors talking spirituality, creativity, and motivation on my website called youthrivehere.com. I hope you join me there. And uh, thanks for coming on, Reverend Redfeather. Thank you. Absolutely. This was awesome. Thank you. Thank you both. And thanks, everybody. We'll talk with you next time on Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. We spend a third of our lives sleeping and dreaming, yet most of us have no idea what goes on during that time. I'm Kelly Sullivan Walden, and as a dream expert and best-selling author, I'm here to empower you to mine the gold from your nighttime dreams. 
Join me on the Kelly Sullivan Walden Show, part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network, available wherever you get your podcasts. Until we meet again, don't take your dreams lying down.